the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A U.S. drone strike takes out an al-Qaeda leader who helped plan the 9-11 attack. Sawahiri has been a leader of al-Qaeda, the leader. Speaker Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan is on the docket, and China is issuing more threats. This is very much uh, precedent in the sense that uh, previous speakers visited Taiwan. President Biden expected to address student loan forgiveness by the end of the month. The president is still looking at a plan to forgive $10,000 in student loan debt. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, August 2nd. I'm Mike Scott. In a successful counterterrorism operation in Afghanistan, the United States has killed the leader of al-Qaeda, Ayman al-Zawahri, over the weekend. According to the White House, the death of al-Zawahri is a major blow to the terror network. He was deeply involved in the planning of 9-11, one of the most responsible for the attacks that murdered 2,977 people on American soil. For decades, he was the mastermind behind attacks against Americans, including the bombing of the USS Cole in 2000. The president also says that since taking out Osama bin Laden, Zawahri has led al-Qaeda. He carved a trail of murder and violence against American citizens, American service members, American diplomats, and American interests. And since the United States delivered justice to bin Laden 11 years ago, Zawahiri has been a leader of al-Qaeda, the leader. Fox's Brett Baer says it is a win for America. This was a, a drone strike with active intel. They had, a, had in, intelligence uh, were being told that Zawahiri is, was at a certain residence outside Kabul. It's hard to believe after all these years that just outside a major city in Afghanistan where the U.S. had been operating for a long time uh, is this al-Qaeda leader. They acted on that intelligence. We're told that it was a drone strike. We don't know the confirmation and what led to their confidence that it is Zawahiri. Uh, but again, you're, you're going to hear a moment tonight uh, that will be President Biden's bin Laden moment because he will give a speech, we're told, uh, that deals with the fight against terrorism that has been ongoing, uh, even though we haven't talked about it a lot. Ayman al-Zawahiri, you see on the screen there, had been a, a, a leader, a spiritual leader, and also someone who is fomenting terrorism in different groups around the world. Uh, this is a huge, huge win for the U.S. According to the Biden administration, the operation was carried out by the CIA in a drone strike and confirmed the CIA had a ground team and aerial reconnaissance confirmed the death of al-Zawahri. Afghanistan's Taliban government issued a statement confirming the strike, saying in part that the government strongly condemns the attack and called it a clear violation of international principles and the Doha Agreement. A 2020 U.S. pact with the Taliban that led to the withdrawal of American forces. 
According to a Taiwanese government official, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is expected to visit Taiwan as part of her tour of Asia. In spite of warnings from the Biden administration who are concerned about China's response to such a high-profile visit. It is unclear when Pelosi will visit the island nation on her tour, however. A U.S. official says that Defense Department officials are working around the clock on monitoring any Chinese movements in the region and securing a plan to keep her safe. Meantime, during a briefing, China warned against the egregious political impact of Pelosi's visit to the self-governing island nation that China claims as part of its territory. China stated its military will not sit idly by if Beijing feels its sovereignty and territorial integrity are being threatened. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the U.S. is concerned that China may retaliate if House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visits Taiwan. Put simply, there is no reason for Beijing to turn a potential visit consistent with long-standing U.S. policy into some sort of crisis or conflict or use it as a pretext to increase aggressive military activity in or around the Taiwan Strait. Kirby does say the U.S. has no interest in ramping up tensions with China, noting American lawmakers routinely visit the island nation. There's certainly no reason for this to come to blows. There's certainly no reason for this to to escalate. For his part, Kirby says the U.S. will not play into Chinese rhetoric. We will not take the bait or engage in saber-rattling. At the same time, we will not be intimidated. We will keep operating in the seas and the skies of the Western Pacific as we have for decades. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says there's no reason for Beijing to escalate tensions in the Taiwan Strait over a potential Taiwan visit by the House Speaker. This is very much um, precedent in the sense that uh, previous Speaker has visited Taiwan. Many members of Congress go to Taiwan, including this year. Uh, And so if the Speaker does decide to visit and China tries to um, create some kind of uh, crisis or otherwise escalate tensions, that would be entirely uh, on Beijing. Blinken also says China must respect the wishes of the House Speaker should she decide to visit Taiwan. We uh, are looking for for them in the event she decides to visit, uh, to act responsibly uh, and not to engage in in, in any escalation uh, going forward. The visit would mark the first for a U.S. House Speaker in about 25 years. A deal brokered by the U.N. and Turkey saw the first ship carrying Ukrainian grain set off from the port of Odessa on Monday. The deal is expected to release massive stores of Ukrainian crops to foreign markets and ease a growing hunger crisis in some areas of the world. According to a Turkish Defense Ministry official, the Sierra Leone flagship left Odessa for Lebanon. While the U.N. said the ship was carrying about 26,000 tons of corn. Morning Joe's Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski discussed the shipment finally leaving Ukrainian's port. The ship carrying Ukrainian grain uh, set off from the port of Odessa for the first time since the war started in February. 
Ukraine's Minister of Infrastructure tweeted this video of the vessel, which is carrying more than 26,000 tons of corn and headed to Lebanon. The ship is expected to reach Istanbul on Tuesday, where it will be inspected before being allowed to proceed. The move is part of an internationally brokered deal between Kyiv and Moscow to release millions of tons of grain to foreign markets and ease a growing food crisis. Ukrainian officials say 16 more ships are waiting to depart Odessa's port as part of the deal. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says there are still roughly 20 million tons of grain in Ukraine that have to be shipped out. It needs to get out to world markets. It needs to get to places where people are in desperate need of food. It needs to get out so the prices also uh, continue to, uh, to go down, uh, not up. Blinken also says having the first ship carrying Ukrainian grain leave port is a good initial step but more needs to be done. It does have uh, 26, 27,000 tons of grain, but keep in mind, there are something like uh, 20 million tons that are in, uh, in silos and in storage in Ukraine uh, that's been held back by the Russian blockade of Odessa up until now, and it needs to get out. Debate over the reconciliation bill endorsed by Senators Joe Manchin and Chuck Schumer continued Monday as data began to trickle in, suggesting the bill would raise taxes on American families. Senator Manchin is disputing that data and continues to insist his bill would not raise taxes on the middle class during such a tough economic time. I, I, I just, you know, just have, you know, we have to agree to disagree, a difference of opinion. You know, my, my Republican colleagues are my friends, and I've worked with them tremendously, and I will continue to work with them any way, shape, or form. But these are things that we've all talked about in bipartisan groups. How can we start paying down our debt and take our take our finances seriously, our financial house in order? These are things, every time we get together as a group, bipartisan, this is what we talk about. How can we get more production? How can we produce more? Why are we going around the world asking people to do what we want to do for ourselves? Well, there's not one, one penny of change in taxes. Manchin goes on to try and reiterate the bill will not impact American families. I have no idea where they're coming at. Let me tell you the only thing that we did, the only thing that was done, is basically we looked at taking everything out that could be looked to be uh, to fanning the fires of inflation or inflating it. And there's nothing there. We said, okay, if you are a company of a billion dollars or more in, in sales and you're a large company, and you should pay at least a minimum of 15%. What is the threshold? Ask them. I don't know. I can't believe that they would say that it's, a, that it's going to affect it's not going Americans. To affect, yeah. But, but, but not at all. Several experts examining the bill, officially called the Inflation Reduction Act, say it would raise taxes in 2023 on six of eight income categories lower than $200,000 a year. Meanwhile, all eyes are now on the Democrat senator for Arizona, Kirsten Sinema. Sinema, for her part, is refusing to publicly back the deal. Democrats and climate hawks need Sinema's support if they're going to pass the party-line legislation. Grover Norquist, president for Americans for Tax Reform, joined the Salem Radio Network to discuss the bill and how it will impact most Americans. There's absolutely nothing good in it. Um, it is a massive tax increase of over 700 
billion. Wow. wow. Um, and you don't get anything for it. OK, they say instead of this kind of energy, we're going to get you this kind of energy, which is subsidized because it isn't as good as the first energy. So we're trading to get a less, you know, to get products, energy that are intermittent. The wind only wind power only works when there's wind and solar when there's uh, sunshine. And these things are, can't be used day to day all the time the way nuclear can or coal or natural gas. So we're getting a less good product in terms of being able to provide energy at a higher cost. That's not a good way to start off. Norquist points out the amount of money going to the IRS to hire more auditors to go after small business owners. $80 billion to the IRS. Yes, thank you. To hire 87,000 people. If you put all the people on American aircraft carriers, more than that, okay, more than that are going to be hired by the IRS to do audits. And who are they auditing? The president likes to say rich people. The IRS itself says they're going to increase their audits of small businesses by 50%. That's where they're going. They're going after small businesses. They already look at all the large businesses, but they think they can get more money out of small businesses. This is the same IRS that destroyed, lost 30 million pieces of people's tax returns. And we only know about it because the inspectors general found it. And the IRS never told anybody that they, that they did this. This came out only uh, recently. Norquist says the money to hire more IRS agents is because, in his opinion, the government believes they'll get more money out of people that way. Half of the IRS agents never show up in the office. They always work from home. Okay? And they won't tell you how many work at the office regularly, but it's less than half. Half never go, right? More money in this bill for more office space for people who don't come to work during the day. Uh, it is, they, they think they're going to get more money by having more IRS agents wow. out there. Wow. Um, and it's a huge, huge piece of this budget. They're going to be going through people's lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, it's a, it, and then the, one of the tax increases, the one that's $300 billion, is the tax on companies that are growing and investing a lot. Norquist goes on to say the bill will target companies right now that are growing. There have been several years where Amazon was growing so quickly that every dollar they earned went back into the company to hire more people and build warehouses and things like that. So they did not have any income that year. Why? Because everything that came in, they put back into the company. They didn't take anything out. And you don't get taxed. You expense those things. This has always been something Democrats were for under John F. Kennedy, the old Democrats, the pro-growth Democrats. They loved expensing. They might be even better than cutting marginal tax rates. Um, but now they're going to claw that back. So this is a tax not on old, clunky businesses, but on the cutting-edge businesses in the United States that are growing and making us the most competitive nation in the world. And we're going to hit them with a $313 billion uh, tax increase. I mean, it's really bad news. The pandemic has exacerbated another crisis. With fewer kids enrolling, schools are shrinking. Daybreak Insider's Jennifer King is adding up the numbers in this story. 
A small student body sounds nice, but in a big urban building, it's more expensive per student. During the pandemic, many families left big cities or switched to private schools that met in person. An analysis by Chalkbeat and the Associated Press shows more than one in three Chicago elementary schools had fewer than 300 students last school year. In New York, it's one in five. In Boston, one in two. On Chicago's west side, Principal Romian Crockett runs Chalmers School of Excellence, which lost almost a third of its enrollment during the pandemic. When you lose kids, you lose resources. Um, and when you lose resources, that impacts your ability to you know, service kids. Officials are facing tough choices, cut school budgets, keep shrinking schools open despite the financial strain, or close them down when the COVID relief money runs out. I'm Jennifer King. Abortion could become illegal in many parts of Michigan after a state court of appeals panel ruled Monday that a state judge's injunction blocking the enforcement of a pre-Roe v. Wade ban does not apply to county prosecutors. The 91-year-old ban, which had been blocked in May from taking immediate effect, makes it a crime for physicians to perform abortions unless the life of a mother is in danger. Planned Parenthood of Michigan President and CEO Paula Thornton says they still have time to weigh a few legal options. The Michigan Court of Appeals order does not take effect for at least 21 days. As such, we're continuing to evaluate our our legal options. With midterm elections on the way and the president's poll numbers showing he's currently unpopular, even with his base, the White House may be seeking to make a move on student loan forgiveness soon. The pause on federal student loan payments may not end as planned. President Biden's considering extending the moratorium. It could stretch for a few months or even until next summer. Student loan payments were expected to restart August 31st, but loan servicers say the Department of Education told them to hold off on sending out billing statements. The president is still looking at a plan to forgive $10,000 in student loan debt per borrower. Since Biden said in April he would make a decision on student loan forgiveness, many borrowers have been anxiously awaiting details on what relief will actually be and when it will impact them. According to reports, the Biden administration is considering $10,000 in forgiveness for borrowers that make under $150,000 a year. Emma Camp of Reason says student loan forgiveness is unfair for future students, about to graduate college. What Biden is doing is kind of like if you had a clogged sink that's flooding your apartment, but instead of turning off the faucet or clearing the drain, you grabbed a coffee mug and just dumped the water onto the floor. And while your house keeps flooding, you tell yourself that maybe you just need a bigger cup. Loan forgiveness programs are incredibly unfair. One-time cancellation not only screws over taxpayers and those who've already worked for years to successfully pay off their loans, but it also leaves out the generation of college students about to graduate into thousands of dollars in debt. Camp also says that financial aid is part of the problem of rising tuition. The way to fix an overflowing sink is to turn off the faucet or unclog the drain. In other words, you go to the root of the problem. 
We shouldn't focus our efforts on the debt that results from expensive college, but on the expensive college itself. There's substantial empirical evidence showing that cheap federal loans are actually a major cause of the rise in college tuition, which has outpaced the growing cost of even medical care and housing. This theory was famously argued in a 1987 New York Times op-ed by then Secretary of Education William Bennett, who wrote that increases in financial aid in recent years have enabled colleges and universities blithely to raise their tuitions, confident that federal loan subsidies would help cushion the increase. Camp goes on to suggest a better way to tackle student loan debt. There are several ways we can incentivize colleges to reduce their prices and encourage students to take educational paths that maximize a return on their investment. For starters, we need to reduce the size of the federal student loan program over time so that schools can no longer take for granted that applicants will be able to pay for tuition no matter what. The best way to forgive student loan debt is through personal bankruptcy. Student loans are currently the only kind of debt that cannot be discharged this way. Bankruptcy is a system that ensures that only those in dire straits get debt forgiveness, while at the same time forcing them to bear a penalty because it makes future creditors wary of loaning to them. Simply forgiving federal student debt, on the other hand, means forcing us to bail out other people for their bad decisions while rewarding the very institutions that have been ripping us off in the first place. The Department of Housing and Urban Development is providing $2.8 billion in fresh funding for homeless service organizations across the country. Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer has more. The Department of Housing and Urban Development is providing $2.8 billion in fresh funding for homeless service organizations across the country. The fresh funding will be allocated via competitive bids through HUD's Continuum of Care program. That program is the largest source of federal grant support to housing and services programs for people experiencing homelessness. HUD funds approximately 7,000 homeless service projects annually through that program. Applications for funding are due to HUD by September 29th. I'm Lisa Dwyer. And finally, scientists are baffled after discovering the Earth is spinning faster than normal, making days a little bit shorter. Measurements by the UK's National Physical Laboratory show that the Earth is spinning faster than it was a half century ago. On June 29, the Earth's full rotation took 1.59 milliseconds less than 24 hours, making it the shortest day ever recorded. Scientist Pocky Sharma explains what happens when the Earth rotates faster. What happens when the Earth begins spinning faster? Confusion. You see, everything around us is set according to a 24-hour clock. From our smartphones to computers to satellites, software and GPS. The clock goes from 23.59.59 to 00.00.00. When this cycle is broken, when Earth completes rotation by 23.59.58, experts could be forced to add a negative leap second meaning our clock would skip a second. Sharma goes on to say that adding a negative leap second to the clock would cause havoc in our technology-dependent world. Losing even a second from a day could be a big deal. Bloomberg reports that every second, 
1.4 million order messages are sent. Stocks worth 4.6 million dollars are traded. Now imagine what would happen if we lose 1.59 milliseconds on a daily basis. Not a rosy picture, is it? Researchers at Meta said a leap second would have colossal effects on their technology and become a major source of pain for hardware infrastructures. Some scientists believe the irregular rotations are the result of something called the Chandler Wobble, an irregular movement of the Earth's geographical poles across the surface of the globe. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.